following production is brought to you by Derek Lamont Enterprises, a subsidiary of LBM Entertainment, exclusively licensed for use on Patreon.com. Enjoy the show. This week's episodes are sponsored by Unscripted Roasters, a black, veteran, and woman-owned coffee bean roasting company. For more information, please go to Instagram.com slash Unscripted Barista. Welcome to Patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont Experience. Of course, this is the week in gaming. Um... If you're a patron, of course, you're getting this on Saturday afternoon. Um, if you're not, you would get this on the free feeds Monday morning. So happy Memorial Day to you guys who are listening to this later. Or happy Memorial Day to everybody on the uh, on the holiday weekend. I'm recording this a bit early, so if anything else happens later in the week, it'll probably go in the video episode. But uh, first news first uh, is now official. This is a tweet from Jason Schreier earlier today. It's now official. Testers at Activision-owned Raven Software have voted to form the U.S. video games industry, U.S. video game industry's first major union. There were 19 votes for and three votes again. Excuse me. Next, this group of Raven testers will set out to negotiate a contract with Activision based on how Activision has reacted to Raven's union efforts so far. Safe to say, the coming negotiations will neither be short nor easy. One sign that Activision won't make uh, this easy for Raven testers in recent weeks as management encouraged employees to vote against unionizing. The company repeatedly mentioned that it can take a very long time for a union to negotiate its first contract. Um, in an article, quote, in recent weeks, Activision management pushed hard against the union effort, encouraging employees to vote against the union, uh, according to documentation seen by Bloomberg. Having a union at Raven could fundamentally, fundamentally alter the way Raven works in ways that can have a significant negative impact for the studio and for individual Raven employees. Company management wrote an internal QA. The company also linked to a Bloomberg Law article about how long it can take for a union to negotiate its first contract. In a series of videos sent to Raven staff and reviewed by Bloomberg, management at Activision and Raven listed bullet points such as a union can't argue, I'm sorry, can't guarantee a pay, ing- a pay increase and union contracts often put an end to flexible scheduling. Um, here's the thing. Unionization is needed in in some form in, God, almost nearly every line of work, right? Um, if you want to be paid fair wages, if you want to be able to negotiate contracts and things like that and such, sometimes you do need to unionize. Um, this is something that the video game industry has been pushing, push, pushing sorry, back against for quite some time because you would be able to negotiate certain things into a contract. Um, things like, now we're having a conversation about games being delayed and pushed back. Obviously, Starfield and, um, excuse me, Starfield and Redfall, this is the big topic over the last week, right? Um, normally, before 2018, if you guys remember the Red Dead Redemption 2 release, right? Uh so it all comes out that there were like 100 hours a week of crunch time to get the game finished and shipped to make sure it was good to go. And though Red Dead 2 is one of my favorite video games of all time, it would absolutely suck working 100-hour work weeks, especially when you have a family. And even if you don't, nobody wants to work that. You're not getting, um, from my understanding, I don't think they were paid overtime wages or anything like that. They're just like, oh, but you get to have the satisfaction that the game shipped on time and it's one of the greatest games of all time, Right. So since the crunch situation, devs have been monitoring very, very closely um, how much time people have been spending and this, that, and the third. Starfield is not going to make its release date or its initial release date of 11-11-2022. Redfall won't make its date either. 
Had we had that article never come out, I think crunch is a thing that we still see, and the game probably makes its date. Um, however, if you're working that many hours, you deserve to be compensated, and you deserve to be uh, compensated via time and a half for overtime. Now, being unionized, that's something you could probably argue into a contract and things like that, but I tell you right now that the publishers themselves, they're going to push back against stuff like this, and they're going to basically tell them what you won't do, somebody will, and here's the door. I'm just being completely honest with you. I don't want it to go that way, but I kind of see it going that way. And going forward, I, I want them to get everything they can and to, to be able to negotiate fair contracts and things like that. Um, but I got to be completely honest. I just don't know how this works in their favor because people want to break into the gaming industry, especially people who grew up playing games and things like that and went to who learned how to code and and artists and stuff like that and they're looking to get their foot in the door and basically they can present this to activision will it happen before the buyout before the acquisition goes through with microsoft i don't know this could this could be a real big linchpin in this and i just don't see this ending exactly well but my thoughts and prayers are with everybody there at raven i hope you guys get what you want and i hope you set a precedent in the industry and we see some change, but people are going to push back against that because a lot has happened. So, I don't know. Speaking of Starfall and um, Starfield, I'm sorry, not Redfall. Um, boy, something was leaked on Reddit regarding the game and its stat, uh, state and part of the reason it's been pushed back. This from from uh, Tiny Rackin on, I believe this Reset Air, I'm sorry. Quote, the flying was bad in playtest. Creation Engine 2 is just a marketing slogan. It's just Creation Engine. They refactored the graphic modules. Of, um, I'm sorry, they refactored, refactored the graphic modules of the engine and added a couple of new features, but it's not a complete rebuild or overhaul. I always told you guys I was very skeptical of that engine, the Creation Engine at Bethesda. Seems like nothing has changed. Uh, that will be obvious as soon as the game launches. Models, modders will tear them to shreds. Todd internally said, we make, uh, we make games, not the tools. The tool set is rusty. The content devs are sick of it. Building games on crap tools make crap games. Since Bethesda Game Studios, Austin released Fallout 76. They have not been working on a new game. They had most teams on 76 support and uh, downloadable content. Until the acquisition, uh, Bethesda Game Studios are releasing on all major platforms. Xbox slash Microsoft wanted, exclusive, uh, wanted exclusives to compete, so all the games were slated for Xbox and PlayStation. But cutting a platform removed a few headaches. This was regards to whether a PlayStation version was in development or not. Uh, the source did not wish to make any comments regarding Elder Scrolls 6 or Redfall, but apparently this is what's going on behind doors um, at Bethesda. So a lot of people are looking at this like, now we know what's going on. Um, if they really are just using the creation engine and refactor things, this, that, and the third... It is not going to look well. Um, I just... This has been my thing with Bethesda. I'm like, that engine has got to go. It's got to go. And to find out that they're still using it, I'm like, fuck, I would have felt cheated. I subscribed to Game Pass. Was I going to play the game when it launched? Absolutely. I was going to give them a chance because I love the ambition they have. They just don't execute it exactly well. And I was like, 
from the things we saw. I was like, this looks really good. This looks better than Fallout and Fallout 76 and all that stuff. So maybe there's a change. Maybe there's an overhaul to the engine. And come to find out there isn't. And that would just led to me being completely disappointed. Well, now that this is out here, what happens? They're not gonna, they're certainly not gonna stop all the work they've been doing and repurposing on another engine. They're not gonna do that. Um, where does Microsoft play into this? What is Phil gonna have to say about this? What happens going forward with Bethesda? What happens going forward with Starfield? Everybody's really waiting on this game. Uh, it's been a trend on Twitter. A lot of people tweeting that they were unsubscribing to Game Pass because they were promised uh, exclusive AAA titles on a quarterly basis and they're not gonna have one. So is it worth it? Um, I thought about it. Game Pass Ultimate, because I'm not playing on PC right now, probably doesn't make any sense. So maybe I bust it back down to the standard. But then again, I lose the cloud gaming. So it is what it is. But yeah, I don't know. This doesn't bode well. That's, that's my opinion. This does not bode well at all. In other news, apparently Microsoft turned something down. And this was very, very interesting. Um, I thought this was absolutely insane. From Video Games Chronicle, Xbox turned Marvel down, leading to Spider-Man on PS4, exec reveals. Um, this is nuts, right? Imagine turning something down, and it turned out to be one of the biggest games of the generation, and it's now led to a partnership between a certain studio, which is now owned by a certain company, your chief rival, um, and now they're going to be producing all this exclusive content, which is, again, why they wanted Bethesda, because they wanted exclusives. Um, this is crazy. So in an excerpt from Stephen L. Kent's 2021 book, The Ultimate History of Video Games, Volume 2, is spotted on Reset Era. Executive Vice President and Head of Marvel Games, Jay Young, explains how the company cut its earlier deal with Activision short in search of a better partnership. According to Ong, Marvel Games wasn't happy with the quality of Spider-Man games being published by Activision, and the two companies mutually agreed to terminate their licensing deal early. Those games were really shitty, by the way. Uh, Ong said that when the deal was made to walk away, Activision asked, what are you going to do with this IP after you get it back? To which Ong replied, I'm going to find a better home for it. According to Ong, Activision's reply was, good luck finding a unicorn. Ong said Marvel Games then went to both Xbox and PlayStation to see if either of them would be interested in forming an exclusive partnership, asking them, we don't have any big console deals with anyone right now, what would you like to do? Microsoft's strategy, Ong recalls, was to focus on its own IP, and as such, it decided to pass on the offer. Sony, however, was more receptive. I sat down with these two execs from PlayStation third party, Adam Boyles and John Drake. I'm sorry, Adam Boyles and John Drake in August of 2014 in a conference room in Burbank, Ong said. Uh, I'm trying to remember when it was the first time we saw a clip of the Spider-Man game. Probably around 2015, 2016, something like that, E3. Um... I said we have, quote, I said we have this dream that it's possible that we could beat Arkham and have one game at least and maybe multiple games that could drive adoption over your platform. Sony reportedly responded by offering to make a AAA PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man game and handed the project to Insomniac, which was independent at the time, but was considered one of Sony's most important partners. The resulting game, Marvel Spider-Man, was widely critically acclaimed and reportedly went on to sell more than 20 million copies, with its spinoff Miles Morales selling a further 6.5 million. In the U.S., Spider-Man is now one of Sony's most successful video game releases, even in terms of dollar sales. Insomniac recently announced Spider-Man 2 with a teaser trailer during the PlayStation Showcase presentation, presentation I'm sorry, in September of 2021. It's also expanding its relationship with Marvel via an in-development Wolverine game. Both of these, uh, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine, will be PlayStation 5 exclusives, by the way. 
The Spider-Man sequel is due to release on PlayStation 5 in 2023 with Candyman actor Tony Todd playing Venom, and I, for one, cannot wait for this. Again, imagine being Microsoft and basically screwing the pooch on a game that really could have set them apart. Um, when you look at what Sony has in their wheelhouse, Spider-Man really, that last, that, that, the PlayStation 4 generation, make no mistake about it, probably one of the greatest generations in video game history. You had Spider-Man, you even got Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, boy, we had Days Gone was slept on, really good game, Final Fantasy 7, The Last of Us Part 2, The Last of Us Remaster, uh, Uncharted 4, um, Jesus Christ, God of War, so many games, Sony, Horizon Zero Dawn, Sony just kept banging them out, and everybody's looking at Microsoft like, when, and, and feels like, just wait, just wait, just wait, and we kept waiting and waiting and waiting to the point that we have these Xbox consoles that are basically $500, you know, uh, paperweights, I don't want to call it that, I'm sorry, I love my One X, uh, and I love my Series X, I also loved every other Microsoft, there, there's still games where you can find value. And for me, I play my sports titles on my Xbox. It's just the I, the one thing I can say, I love the DualSense, best controller ever. For me, for comfort, for sports titles, the Xbox controller is top tier for me, okay? But Microsoft doesn't have those exclusives that make you, like, say, hey, like, this is what you need. Gears, fucking fantastic. Forza Horizon, fucking fantastic. If you're a Halo fan, fantastic. But when those games aren't there, you need those other games to fill in those spots. And that's what Sony was able to do. God of War, Uncharted, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part Two, Days Gone, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, etc., etc., to where Sony ran away with the last generation. And you look at this, like, Microsoft, like, had a chance, and it's like, wow, this is really fucking crazy. So I don't know. Moving right along to Kotaku.com, after years of hype, the Xbox Game Pass burnout is here. A drought of AAA games has spurred some to unsub from Microsoft's games on-demand service for now. Typically, when Game Pass starts trending, it's either because it scored a killer game or some influencers uh, concocted a viral joke that ultimately does nothing other than hand a $2 trillion uh, corporation two days of free marketing. Over the past few days, however, Microsoft's game on-demand program started trending for another reason. Players say they're unsubscribing for now. The burnout largely comes down to subscribers saying that Game Pass isn't delivering on its value proposition. For a monthly fee, Game Pass grants you access to next to a Netflix-style Netflix library of games that you can download to your Xbox or PC, or in some cases stream to a compatible device. This is why I said I'm keeping Ultimate. But the big selling point is this. Every first-party Microsoft game hits a library launch, meaning subscribers get access at no extra cost to Microsoft's prestigious first-party releases like Halo Infinite 5 or Forza Horizon 5. Earlier this month, Bethesda officially now one of Xbox first-party studios following an industry-shaking acquisition in 2021, delayed its two biggest forthcoming games, Space RPG Starfield and Vampire Shooter Redfall, developed by Bethesda's subsidiary Arcane. Both were expected to launch day, in, uh, day one on Game Pass this year. Now they won't come out until the first half of 2023, leaving Microsoft's first-party portfolio looking much drier than it did a month ago. All right, time for some reductive math. Let's say you signed up for Game Pass Ultimate Tier. That's where I am, which costs $15 a month and includes standard access to the game library plus a number of other perks. 
Let's also assume any big budget games, exclusive or not, that hit the service cost an industry standard $60. $70 if you're playing on next-gen consoles. If you want the next-gen experience, you can buy a game on PlayStation 5 and buy the PlayStation 4 version and pay $60. If you want everything up to the highest scale, you have to pay $70. Same goes with Xbox. Let's not let's please stop acting like this is a PlayStation only thing that's happening. That's not the case. Uh Again, um, by that math, you need to play two full-price games via Game Pass every four months just to justify the cost. The service is great, but there aren't any AAA exclusives to compel me to stay. Tom's Guide writer Tony Polanco said in a tweet, I'll be back when the titles start dropping. Washington Post reporter Gene Park shared a similar sentiment, pointing out that over the past few months, the only game from the service he's availed himself of is Trek to Yomi, a side-scrolling samurai action game. Trek to Yomi costs $20. Also, side noted rules. Okay. That's in parentheses, by the way, from this article I'm reading. So, let's stop right there. I'm going to pause for a second. If you pay $15 a month for Ultimate, which I do, then yeah, you get Trek to Yomi. If you don't feel like you're getting value, cancel that. Pay $5 more to play Trek to Yomi. So, this is where the balance is a bit off. Other prominent members of the gaming... Uh, Cognos Cognoscenti, I'm sorry, Laminate paying up front... For months, if not years, of Game Pass, while others compared it unfavorably against the upcoming revamp of PS Plus, Sony's competing subscription service. Sony's generally vaunted first-party games won't won't launch on PS Plus. Sony came out from the high executive level saying that they would not be able to sustain what they're doing if they put their AAA titles into a subscription service. You lose on that end. Uh, on the flip side, there's no shortage of people calling this whole thing a cloud war, saying that no one cares. It's unclear whether the extended convo has a tangible impact on Game Pass subscription numbers. Microsoft does not make such figures public, and representatives for the company did not immediately respond to a request for comment. That is bullshit because they have made those numbers public. Every time they hit a big milestone, they're like, we have X amount of subscribers to Game Pass, so let's not play that game. A dip in interest was to a certain extent inevitable for the past few years. Xbox has coasted on a tidal wave of goodwill generated by Game Pass, which has continually made some of the biggest AAA games, not just exclusives, but also multi-platform hits like Guardians of the Galaxy available on its service. That was my game of the year for 2021, by the way. Those come alongside a regular flow of smaller titles that benefit from the marketing boost of appearing on Game Pass. Part of the joy of subscribing is that you never know what you're going to get. You might try out an under-the-radar indie and bounce off it in minutes, or it could quickly become one of your favorites of the year. Everybody's pointing the tunic. The mix of big and small, old and new, caused Game Pass subscriptions to ramp up significantly in 2020. They also ticked up last year, too, albeit a slower rate than 2020. Now, keep in mind, also, they acquired the Bethesda acquisition was announced the day before pre-orders for Xbox Series S and X consoles went live. That's why it was so hard. I was able to get a Series S pre-order. I didn't get a Series X till way later. Um, amid an absolutely banger series of lineups in the fall and winter, there's no way Microsoft could have maintained that cadence forever. Nearly six months into 2022, though it's added the occasional gem, Game Pass is yet to feature an Oh My God, Take My Money lineup of forthcoming games. That said, the service will almost assuredly improve again. Next month, Xbox will host its not-E3 press conference during its 2021 conference. Xbox announced more than 20 games planned for Game Pass. Some of those have already come out, but plenty from the limbo-like Somerville to the Fallout-like Atomic Heart to Outer Worlds-like Outer Worlds 2 have yet to receive release dates. So, 
Um, I'm keeping my subscription, not gonna lie. Um, I'm a gamer, and I'm not gonna have this whole conversation about who's a gamer and who's not a gamer, blah, 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 blah. That's bullshit. Not my place to say that. I'm gonna do me, right? So, now, in tune with all this is something very, very interesting. Former Xbox Vice President of Games, Ed Free, says he left Xbox because they wanted him to focus on profits instead of better games. I did listen to the audio for this interview from this interview, and it's him. It's not bullshit. This is him. He says Game Pass makes him nervous and scared, believes it could move gamers into not buying games, which could help collapse the fragile games industry. He's been around long enough to have seen what happened. I'm old enough that I was alive when E uh, when E.T. came out. I was literally born the year of 82. I'll be 40 this year. So I don't remember any of that. However, from much research reading, watching documentaries, et cetera, et cetera, about the game industry, I know that E.T., basically, they rushed the game to get it out for the holiday season. There were a lot of issues, and it nearly ended the home video game console market in the United States of America. It took Nintendo quite a while to be able to get themselves on the store shelves, right? Uh, it was a really niche thing, and then word of mouth helped the Nintendo Entertainment Center spread across the United States of America. Um, when somebody who was there in these conference rooms and privy to this information says something like this, you have to wonder, is he right? In my opinion, I have to say yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. It's been said over and over, and they can say, well, Sony's not going to do it, and they're anti-consumer. It's not anti-consumer. They're saving their backside because, like they said, you cannot sustain that. You cannot put AAA quality bangers into a subscription service. This is not Spotify. This is not Tidal. This is not Apple Music. It's none of those, right? And if you ask the artists, they've seen a significant decrease in what they make off of streams. And now there's this whole thing where record labels don't even want to release their music unless they can tie it into TikTok or something like that. Um, what they spend developing these games, they have to make that back. And Microsoft, fortunately for them, because Windows is on basically every PC over the US and the world over, except for people who use Linux and Unix and shit like that. But PCs, mostly everybody who's on a PC is using Windows as their platform. Okay, so they have the advantage of being able to write several checks that they can cash on the back end. Microsoft doesn't need Xbox to be the leading division of Microsoft. For a while, I'm not sure if this is still true, PlayStation was keeping the lights on at Sony, and that's why they're not going to put their first-party titles in a subscription service day and date because it's not sustainable, and they're going to lose money on that. Okay, so there you have it. In other news, um, Japanese publisher Square Enix has had has a big year ahead of them with a number of major titles in development pipeline right now. These range from new installments and beloved franchises like Kingdom Hearts, but there are also brand new experiences such as the upcoming Dio-filled Chronicles. With several major titles scheduled for release this year and the next, the teams under the publisher will surely have their hands full. That could imply possible delays. And according to a recent rumor, we might see one soon. According to Nick Splesha, Nick Baker... On the latest Xbox era podcast, their sources suggested that the upcoming open world fantasy RPG Forspoken could see another delay. 
However, the oddity here is that the delay is coming to fruition depends on whether or not the devs can wrap up Final Fantasy 16. Um, in a nutshell, Square Enix will only delay Forspoken if they can get Final Fantasy 16 to take its place. Forspoken was meant to launch on the 24th of this month. However, this has been officially delayed till October 11th of 2022. Final Fantasy 16, meanwhile, does not have a confirmed release date. If the rumor is to be entertained, it would seem like the development at Luminous Productions for Forspoken is not going smoothly, which is why they need more time. This decision seems to suggest that they want to have one blockbuster release by the end of the year. Uh, if Forspoken does not make it, then Final Fantasy 16 will have to be rushed. If not, the latter gets published in whatever state it is in at the point. At this point, I'm sorry. Regardless, it's not looking for either of the upcoming RPGs. Uh, first announced is Project Athea. Forspoken is one of the most hyped new IPs from Square Enix. At the moment, players control Frey Holland, a woman transported to the mythical land of Athea from New York City. With a magical cinnamon armband strapped to her wrist, she must traverse the open world to high speeds and take down the evil forces of Tantas that threaten everything. Um, I know a lot of people are really hyped for this game and they pre-ordered it. Nope, not me. The next thing I want from uh, from Square Enix is Final Fantasy VII Part II. Um, more information about it. Final Fantasy XVI, I'll give it a whirl. I'll see more, but this doesn't bother me because I wasn't gonna... I had not pre-ordered Forspoken. It was like, okay, this looks alright, but it's nothing that's really, really big on my radar. So uh, it's not really bothering me that the that it's more than likely going to get delayed. Um, interestingly enough, it's crazy the situation because obviously Square Enix sold off, um, all of its Western studios, but, uh, the bulk of its Western studios, right? So everybody was saying that this big rumored acquisition was supposed to be Sony, right? Well, Sony hasn't acquired them. I'm not saying this has anything to do with it, but imagine if Sony had acquired Square Enix and then Forspoken gets delayed, we're having the same conversation everybody's having about Microsoft and Starfield and Redfall right now. So not saying they dodged the bullet, not saying those conversations haven't happened. Where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So the conversations were at least started or the idea was dreamed up because far too many big guys in the industry, Greg Miller, Jeff Grubb, guys like that, a lot of those guys said, I've heard something, I can't say anything, but it's going to be big if it really happens. And it was direct correlation to Sony possibly acquiring Square Enix. That hasn't happened. Um, but Nomura said we would hear more about Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two and some other things coming up soon. I still don't think that means they're, they're going to acquire Square Enix. Um, it would be very strange if they did a PlayStation Showcase and they announced an acquisition. That would be very, very interesting. A la Microsoft, they've done it at their E3 press conference. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But uh, if you're looking for Forspoken or Final Fantasy sixteen, it's like... What's your poison? Which one do you really want? Um, for me, it'll be Final Fantasy 16. I'm not even kidding. Speaking of acquisitions, uh, this comes from GameSpot.com. EA is looking to sell itself off or merge with another company. Electronic Arts is reportedly pursuing a sale or merger, and it's claimed that the video game publisher and developer has held talks with Disney, Apple, Amazon, and Comcast, NBC, Universal over a possible deal. According to news site Puck via VGC, EA has been persistent in pursuing a sale. At one point, it looked like the Comcast subsidiary, NBC Universal, would have merged with the gaming company, with Comcast CEO Brian Roberts running the combined entity. Quote, the general terms of the proposal, which lawyers and bankers for both sides negotiated for several weeks, would have seen the Roberts family take majority control of the combined entity. The report claims, in the configuration most seriously discussed, the company would have been run by Wilson. 
That deal eventually fell apart due to disagreements over price and structure. Neither Comcast nor EA have commented on the report. We knew this was a thing. I didn't know it was these companies, but we knew EA was trying to put themselves up for sale or looking to merge with someone. The report also claims that Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard for a staggering sum has been the main driver of EA's desire to sell itself. And we know that they EA was positioning themselves and they basically offered themselves up to Microsoft and Microsoft said no. Excuse me. Others say that EA is primarily interested in a merger arrangement that would allow EA CEO Andrew Wilson to remain as chief executive of the combined company. The report added, when reached for comment, an EA spokesperson told GameSpot, we don't comment on rumors and speculation re relating to M&A. We are proud to be operating from a position of strength and growth with a portfolio of amazing games built around powerful IP made by incredibly talented teams and a network of more than a half a billion players. We see a very bright future ahead. Mergers and acquisitions have made headlines in the gaming industry as of late. EA purchased Codemasters last year. Sony is preparing to purchase Destiny 2 developer Bungie in a deal that would help strengthen its multi-platform goals. And Square Enix again sold off several of its studios to Embracer Group. Of course, the big news was Microsoft back in January making the bid to acquire Activision Blizzard. Uh, again, as I just stated, where there's smoke, there's fire. This 100% is true. As much as they want to say it's not, this is true. Um... Imagine, though, just the names, right? The minute Apple put out the Apple TV that you could, um, that had the hard drive and you could download mobile games and play them on your TV using your phone as a controller or, like, they sold little controllers, I was like, this is Apple dipping their foot in the pool. They're testing the waters of gaming, okay? Here we are. They're developing a car. They've got, I've got an Apple Watch, I've got an iPad, I've got a MacBook Pro, I've got an iMac, um, I've an iPhone thir uh, 13 Pro Max. I, anything they buy, I'm an Apple shill. Anything they sell, I'm an Apple shill, I'm buying it, right? Why do you think they would make a car and not even think about getting into video games? Especially when they have Apple Plus Arcade, alright? Disney. Disney has some of the greatest IPs in the world. Star Wars, Marvel, etc., etc. They could hold all the cards in their own hand. Right? EA could pull himself itself out of Xbox Game Pass or whatever what have you. Amazon, we know they've been trying to really push their gaming division. Obviously, they've got Twitch, uh, Amazon Luna. I haven't heard anybody heard of it heard anything about it i got a uh a free code to use it i actually never acted on it i don't know anybody that's using it so all of these are major players right i've often made the joke to my friends that one day disney and apple will own all of us or amazon amazon is the reason there's no toys r us and amazon is the reason that eventually gamestop will be done as well right the world has changed in my lifetime i will be 40 next month in the last 20 years I've seen a lot of change as a result of companies like Amazon, Apple, and Disney. EA definitely was putting themselves in a position to merge or be acquired. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I 100% believe this. Um, anybody that tells you different is out of their fucking mind. This was a thing. I don't care how much they want to... We don't have a comment. We don't comment on rumors. It's not a rumor. It was the truth. There's no way this report got out and they weren't sit sitting there actually negotiating terms and things like that. There's no fucking way. So, I don't know, they can say what they want. Uh, speaking of IP, <clears throat> Comp, excuse me, Capcom suggests it could revive some of its dormant game series. 
Uh, Capcom suggested during a new investors relations Q&A that it could revive some of its dormant game series. Formed in 1983, Capcom is one of the largest libraries of original IP in all of gaming. However, while blockbuster franchises like Resident Evil continue to receive new iterations as well as remakes of classic games, franchises such as Lost Planet, Power Stone, and Akami haven't seen new entries in many years. When asked specifically what the plant what plans the company has for its dormant IP, Capcom responded, we are currently putting together plans for our pipeline based on demand data from the market. It continued going forward, we will continue to take customers' wishes into consideration while devising our title lineup. Hideki Kamiya directed Beat 'em Up Beautiful Joe, last had a new game in 2005. Dark Stalkers, Dark Stalkers I'm sorry, a perennially popular fighting game franchise with hardcore fans, hasn't had a new entry, not including remakes or remasters since 1997. In 2020, Capcom announced Pragmata, its first original franchise in a decade. Pragmata will be Capcom's first completely new IP made for consoles and released worldwide since 2012's Dragon Dogmas. Dragon's Dogma, I'm sorry, 2016's Megami Maguri was a Japanese release only. Originally scheduled to be released in 2022, the game was delayed until 2023 in order to ensure the game uh, will be to ensure it will be an unforgettable adventure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. We know that some more Resident Evil titles are getting the remake uh, treatment. From my understanding, I think it's Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 6 that's going to get the next remake. I don't know. I can't remember. I want to say 4. Um, 2 and 3 are my favorites. I got what I wanted. If they remade um, Resident Evil, the original one, the RE engine, I would definitely play it. But I don't know. Um, as far as Capcom goes, I'm just looking forward to Street Fighter 6. Just give me Street Fighter 6. Get the fuck out of the way and let me do what I do. That's all I'm saying. Um, the good folks over at PlayStation, interestingly enough, a PlayStation PC launcher is in development. Here we go. Xbox, Ubisoft, and EA all have their own separate apps and launchers for their own games and titles on PC platforms, but thanks to a new job listing, it's possible that PlayStation may very well have its own launcher. Origin, Ubisoft, Connect, and Steam all have their own users as people buy games using them with many companies having their own. As of right now, PlayStation, PlayStation doesn't have any launchers on PC with the PS app only available on mobile devices. However, according to two job listings from last year and recently, Sony may be attempting to change that. Uh, looks like there's an, app, there's an Apply Now offer for Director Product Management PC Game Experiences. Job listing spot uh, is currently searching for a new director of product management, primarily for PC game experiences. While there is an official PlayStation website, there is no official app yet, and a certain paragraph in job listing states that they are seeking someone to lead and evolve the PlayStation game experience roadmap for all game-related experiences, including SDK development. Client application experiences is PlayStation network platform integration. The mention of platform integration could potentially mean that they are working on a launcher for the PlayStation network meant for PC. Previous job listing was already uh, was apparently I'm sorry searching for a UX design manager meant to assist with PlayStation's off console experience. It is still unconfirmed whether or not Sony is really working on moving its PlayStation Network to PC platforms officially. But with these recent job listings combined with more PC ports for former PS exclusives coming out, it's much more likely that Sony is developing a launcher. This is not news to anybody that follows gaming news because. There have been so many job postings for PC stuff for PlayStation, right? This comes as a surprise to nobody at all. Um, I would 100% assume they were working on a launcher. Um, they could then keep all the money in-house at that point because then they could cut out Steam or the Epic Game Store. And then you just buy directly from the PlayStation uh, PC launcher 
And at that point, they still keep their money. Everybody's like, well, Microsoft's still money, making money because they're on PC. Yes, but Sony keeps a lion's share of the money when they eventually move to this platform, and it seems that they're doing that. Again, you're not going to get PlayStation titles day one on PC. You will get them later on. Um, Uncharted 4 and Legacy of... I'm sorry, uh... What is it? Legacy of Thieves? The Legacy of Thieves collection is still not ready for PC yet. But you've got God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Death Stranding, and other games there. I think Day Go Days Gone might be there as well. I can't remember. But I don't know. Lastly, Video Games Chronicle reports Jeff Keighley says to expect fewer third-party showcases this summer. Journalist claims many companies will put their content in Summer Games Fest and first-party shows. Journalist and presenter Jeff Keighley has said to expect fewer third-party digital showcases this summer as companies instead opt to include content events like his Summer Game Fest show. You know what this means for E3? It's a wrap. And, unfortunately, I never got to go. Me and my friends had always planned to pack up and go to L.A. for E3. Doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon because there's going to be no meat left on the bones if they actually do return next year. And at this point, the ESA might have shot themselves in the foot. But anyway... Last year, companies such as Capcom and Square Enix received a somewhat negative critical response to their own digital events, which fans felt contained fewer announcements than anticipated. Um, who had a show that was like 15 or 20? I think Square Enix basically showed off a ton of Guardians of the Galaxy and then not much else. Speaking during a Twitter Spaces audio session this weekend, Keeley said consumers should expect less third-party conferences this year as those publishers with less content instead opt to participate in Summer Game Fest and first-party conferences such as the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. Quote, there were a lot of shows last year where everyone was disappointed when they weren't really press conferences, right? Like Take-Two, disappointment. Capcom, I don't even remember. Square Enix, like I said, mostly Guardians of the Galaxy, and things like that. Uh, I think they have learned that if you're going to do a press conference, you kind of need to have 30-plus minutes of stuff, and sometimes they only have one or two great games to show, which may not be enough to do a full event around. Keely added, so I think that's going to be there's that's going to be a bit of a shift. I have a pretty good sense of what's coming in the next month, and I think people will be hyped about games in general. There is still a lack of games coming out right now. This kind of is the this kind of is the COVID gap year, I think, with a lot of games being delayed because they were started during the pandemic. We're still hoping for a lot of things to come out. As previously announced, Summer Games Fest will kick off with a live cross-industry showcase on Thursday, June 9th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So that'll be 1 p.m. in the afternoon, Central Standard, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, that's the day before my birthday. That's actually my brother Colby's birthday. So shout out to bro and happy birthday to him. So I'll be spending June 9th at my desk at work watching on my iPad. I'm not going to lie. This is what I'm going to be doing. Um... The live cross-industry showcase promises to showcase what's next in gaming with huge new game announcements, world premieres, special guests, and much more. During the Twitter chat, Keeley revealed that 15-plus guests will appear during the show and confirmed that this year's event will see members of media go hands-on with, uh, with some of the games featured. Quote, I don't think people are going to get necessarily everything they want in June like they never do, but I hope people have fun, he said. It's just going to be different, and that's what I keep telling people. This is not replacing E3. It's a different sort of vibe and sense of things. I don't make the game, so I just sit here and pray that there's going to be some cool stuff to show people. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I, I uh, it, it's people often ask me. They're like, "What is this E3 thing you're always talking about?" I'm like, "It's basically video games Christmas." Um, things have changed, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, 
Shout out to Jeff Keighley for actually being here and still keeping things alive and representing for the game industry. It's also because he does a show in the summer, Summer Games Fest, and then he does the Game Awards in December to close out the year. So, you know, six months apart, you're going to see Keeley, and he's always going to have some big scoops. Um, you know, Summer Game Fest is much more lighthearted and stuff like that. They're actually up for awards at the Game Awards, obviously, because it's the Game Awards. But both shows are really, really cool. Um, I often tell people, like, hey... I've planned out this part of my day to watch this show and stuff like that. And obviously, I do this show on a weekly basis, so I report on these things for you guys. So anyway, that is the show for this week. I recorded a bit early uh, because it is Memorial Day week, and I'm going to spend some time with family and friends and have a good time. So uh, tell your friends, subscribe here, patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont Experience. You get these episodes on Saturday afternoons, and you get them Monday mornings. You can catch them on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc., I'm going to end this show like I end every other show. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will believe in you. My name is Derek, and that's all the time I got for today, you guys. Peace out. <laughs>